Hello, I'm Julian Speroni, and this is Han of Pot. you've just heard uh, is not one of us putting on a really bad accent and pretending, it's, it's the actual real life Julian Speroni, or Julian Speroni as he's just pronounced it himself so thank you very much for that Julian if you're listening, uh, Crystal Palace goalkeeper for anybody from outside England probably who's wondering who most famous for finishing second in the Hand of Poet Argentines Abroad Awards absolutely yes. Leo Messi. Yes. Most, important, most importantly former Platense goalkeeper Thank you very much for that, Seba. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for that, Julian. And also to Ed Malian, who, who got us that recording uh, when he interviewed uh, Speroni during the week. Thanks to both of you. Uh, we'll get on now. You've already heard Australian Dan. Hello. And Seba. Hola. And English Dan is also sitting to my right. Hello, it's a pleasure. And also present, but uh, having vowed not to say anything, he's, he's just going to be a bit like zombie this week. Um, zombie says quite a lot of things to be done. Yeah, it's slightly quieter than zombie. Uh, is Paraguay Ralph, Ralph Hanna, who I've just done the introduction for and is not going to speak. So he's not the <laughs> And sitting next to him is Lionel Messi. <laughs> but he's also not going to be talking. <laughs> We, we, we tried to talk Messi into giving us an introduction as well, but uh, he doesn't speak enough English to, to be confident. Too shy. He is, he's a very shy man. Um, we'll be talking about Messi and, and his friends a little later on in the national side as we prepare for this next round of World Cup qualifiers. But first of all, we have a, a weekend action to recap prior to the league going on a two-week break because of this international business. Which game are we going to start with, guys? I think the obvious one is the one that me and Dan went to, but were there any... No, yeah, no, I was, I was about to ask you about a different kind of international business and <laughs> something that you did with Dan on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You went to Vélez with, with a group of fans and t- tell us a bit about that, please. Oh, it was it was our first attempt, uh, our first attempt to take a large group through our football detours uh, business. Which we did plug a couple of times on last week's podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't Sorry. think we need to say too much about the, the business itself. But the, the game, uh, it was actually really nice to take the, the visitors there because Vélez is a very kind of calm stadium in terms of getting in and, and it's a comfortable stadium and stuff as well. Yeah. And it was a really good atmosphere yeah. uh, uh, for that game. Yeah, it's a World Cup venue. It's one of the mm. World Cup venues in, from '78. And the game, even though there were no goals... It was uh, an interesting game, yeah, it was an exciting game. It was. Uh, the second half, it um, probably fell off a little bit, but for most of uh, the first half... I, I don't think Boca were really trying to win it, from what I... Yeah. From we should probably say it finished 0-0. Right. And mm-hmm. Boca could have wrapped up the three points, but uh, Ronaldo Schiavi missed the penalty. Yeah. Very well saved by uh, Navarro in the uh, Vélez goal. Montoya. No, Montoche. No, yeah. I'm thinking of the. Yeah, you're thinking of Navarro Montoya. I am thinking of Navarro Montoya. Can we try that again? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a yeah a penalty missed by Ronaldo Schiavi, who was saved by. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Montoya. By Montoya, the Vélez keeper, 
And yeah, it was obviously the biggest chance, but both can teams you, had Can you tell us if that was a penalty? Because the, all the replays I've seen haven't shown it was a penalty. Mm, clearly yeah. didn't check the no, uh, that set up to the group. Araujo <laughs> made, 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 made the most of it. Maybe now I have, yeah, the, yeah. I have the opportunity to talk about this because I got a, a bit of heat on, on, on Twitter because I was mm-hmm. watching and my immediate reaction yeah, yeah my immediate reaction was oh no that, that's a dive and the guy Sergio Araujo rolled on the floor mm. like two, oh, yeah. 14 times he rolled ridiculously yeah and, and even before I saw, I, I, I saw the first replay and I just said I just tweeted it wasn't a penalty because I based uh, on the first glimpse uh, or the first image I saw mm. and also on the uh, uh, I based my my opinion on, on on the, all the Vélez fans, uh, the, all the Vélez players going after Valdassi saying uh, there was something wrong. And and there was and something the wrong. that it was Valdassi refereeing. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it was Valdassi, Valdassi refereeing too. But what the Vélez players were uh, talking to Valdassi and, and, and telling Valdassi he got something wrong was that before Cubero fouls Araujo from behind, inside the box, it was a clear penalty, let's make that uh, clear, um, Araujo touches the ball with with his left hand, and he kind of take a, t- kind uh, of take a, takes advantage of of that uh, situation, yeah. and and that's what all the Vélez players were protesting uh, about. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a penalty after I saw the mm. replays. And uh, okay, yeah, we, obviously the feeling in the stadium is not <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> indicative of what the truth is, but yeah, the feeling was that it was a dive. I guess it looked. We it was, yeah, it was just a shame that Araujo felt the need to roll about twenty times afterwards. Yeah. Like, but it, I think at the time it was against the run of play. I think Velez were the one that decided mm. it was going for it more than Boca, definitely. But Boca have just we just looked so so solid in defence. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's, what's the other defender called? Uh, Ron, Roncaglia. Roncaglia. Yeah, yeah. Another student. Um, they've obviously got Schiavi in this year returning to Boca, but I was really really impressed with uh, Roncaglia who did a pretty good job on Juan, Mattel, uh, Juan Manuel Martinez. Um, and so, yeah, Vela's obviously a good attacking side, but they just could not break break through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the feeling I got from watching the game and from watching every Boca game so far this season is how is it, uh, how are a team going to score against them? Mm-hmm. They, they look really solid. And not only because of the keeper. The keeper is, uh, Orion is having a great season, but... The back four, uh, that that uh, defense is is really solid, and they're mm. they're uh, playing well together with midfield, and, yeah. and they have no problems uh, sitting back and waiting for for a chance to counter attack. They, they yeah. it's not like they they will uh, blush, you know, yeah. like <laughs> feel ashamed of doing that. Yeah. They do it. They don't they don't worry, they don't care about that. I think I agree with you, sir. But if I can just for a second compare compare them say to Racing, who have also had a no, because they've also had a brilliant defensive record. Uh, also unbeaten. Unbeaten, only four goals conceded. Two of them were penalties. Uh, but the difference is with Racing, you've got to say that a big, big percentage of that goes down to Saka and Goal, yeah. who on many, many occasions has really saved yeah. Racing. Yeah. And you get the feeling that Racing, for a lot of the season, they've been criticised for sitting too far back, inviting teams onto them, and really not kind of taking the game to people but you can't really tell that about Boca as several saying the team works a lot more in a unit the defence pushes up to the midfield and it just makes sure people don't even get near to the goal so Orion he's had a very good season but he hasn't you know he's not had to work too hard no exactly yeah uh, mm-hmm. impressive though he's been yeah exactly. I'd, I'd really agree when, when you've got 
assertive that, that Boca have conceded three goals now in 14 matches mm-hmm. so you know if, if they keep a clean sheet against Racing in two weeks time then that's going to be one goal every five games um, <laughs> and if you've got that as your, as your basis mm. You can't then really not you're giving do yourself well, yeah. a brilliant chance. Another thing before we move on from Vélez and Boca, um, I, I went to look at the year, uh, the year-round <coughs> table, and there was no surprise for me to find Vélez and Boca mm. right at the top. They the top the, two but, positions. But the surprise was that they they were on exactly the same uh, amount of points, mm. 59 each, and. <coughs> If this was like a tournament like in Brazil, the, Brazil, the Brasilian league, the Brasileirao, uh, we would have we would have like a fantastic, fantastic oh, brilliant, brilliant finish. It would have been f- sensational. Like these two head to head, like Boca, I think they got to 20, 21 games undefeated. If you count, yeah. if, if you count yeah, the tw- last twenty four unbeaten, right? unbeaten. If you count the last mm. ten from the uh, Clausura. So um, yeah, that that's, that was just a curious note. Uh, hmm. The significance of this game would have been bigger for Vélez too if this, this was a year-round uh, tournament, but it, it wasn't. And Vélez, they're out of the race now. So uh, I think I think these short tournaments they are exciting sometimes, but I think in the long term. I, I was never a fan, and I'm still not a fan of them. I think the problem is is what we see in this season. You know, if, um, I would not want to take anything away from Boca at all. Like they've had a fantastic season, but the problem is, if a team does put together a 10-12 match run of really good results, you can pretty much write off the league. It happened with Estudiantes in 2010. Yeah. Not so much with Vélez because they were kind of consistent all through the season, but and it's happened this year with Boca. Kind of, yeah. you start the season well and you just don't lose. You get and you get to this stage in it. Kind of, it's over already. Yeah, because you see it quite often in Europe, like a team will start the season really well and be right at the top. And then they'll have a blip of five games. Yeah, there's a huge uh, difference between doing that for half a season, which is the full season in Argentina, or, you know, doing it for a full European season, which, yeah. Yeah, without even mentioning the fact that, I don't know if this is the case, but a team uh, winning the league could could have played all their derby matches at home Mm. or... No trips to the provinces, you know, uh, an easy fixture in the it's first round, yeah. you know, uh, we, we'll, we'll could probably guarantee you the, yeah. the league, the league title, and I hope some things change in the near future. But I, I applaud uh, your optimism, Seba. I applaud <laughs> you. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to ask you guys before we move on was one player that we haven't really seen this season before, but he came back for Boca, Araujo Sergio Araujo. Mm. We said he won the penalty and. He'd just come back from the Pan American Games. I think this was his first appearance of the season. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, have we seen any improvement in his game? Because I remember he kind of burst into the scene probably this time next year. Had a couple of interesting games and never, he's never quite shown himself worthy of the hype, really. Yeah, this would have been the first time I've seen him in, in the flesh, I think. Yeah. And my opinion still hasn't really. He did a few things that impressed me in the teamwork and his movement and, and sort of uh, spraying passes. Out, out wide and stuff that I didn't think was part of his game, which which you pick up when you're watching live. But I'm still, I still, my opinion of him hasn't really changed. I still don't think he's mentally up for it. Maybe it's because he's young, but he he seems like one of those players who doesn't make the right decisions at the right time and is likely to get sent off in big games and that, that kind of player. So I'm I'm not that impressed by him. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I was yeah, more right. impressed again by Pablo Mocha, um yesterday, although. Bocca's attack weren't working themselves too hard 
Um, I just kind of thought it was another very sort of professional performance from him, and it's almost re- re- reiterating what we were saying at the start of the season about how he seems to have calmed down a bit under mm-hmm. Falcioni. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, if we put the words "magic" and "professional" in the same sentence last year, I don't think no, it's <laughs> really taken. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, but Araujo still has a, a lot to do. Uh, yeah, what, what puzzles me about Araujo is how on earth can he be linked with Barcelona? Because mm. he has, and, and I also get criticized every time I say something along these lines about Araujo. But I, I, I think it's something. I don't know if maybe I can put it this way. It's, it's, I think it's something genetic about being a Barcelona player. Either you're born a Barcelona player mm. or not, or you, you can you can improve uh, or reach uh, your your full potential in order to s- somehow accommodate yourself in, into the Barcelona starting lineup, and it's really easier than any, anywhere else to play when when you have those kind of players around. But Araujo is. It's just not mentally there. I mean, and and, he's, uh, and in my opinion, it's not because he's 18, and he's. Uh, he well, I, I will tell you something I heard about him, and this guy when he was 16 or 17, he went to talk to Martin Palermo, and he wanted to give Palermo advice on how to finish. <sighs> In front of the keeper, you know, uh, that's the kind of that's yeah. the kind of attitude, you know. That's, and he is the guy who and he lived will to tell the tale. <laughs> yeah, he did, wow. but he's not very liked uh, among the the, the other no. Boca players, and and that is uh, an obvious reason. And another one is every time he scores on training, he celebrates like he's, if he was like the, the World Cup final, and <laughs> that is something that is not uh, mm-hmm. accepted or well accepted by by his teammates and. You know, he went to the Pan American Games and he was supposed to be the star of the tournament for Argentina. He scored a brilliant goal against Brazil and then he elbowed... Then the he got sent off, yeah. 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 Similar to what he, what he did in, uh, on various other under-20 tournaments, right? Yeah. He, looks, yeah. he scores he the odd goal but then he does just something really stupid. Yeah. I really don't rate him. <laughs> just, uh, Boca, Maradona was in Boca and before he went to Barcelona, mm-hmm. as was Riquelme. Um, can, both of those were nowhere near at their best at, at Barcelona. Can you think of any Boca players who've gone directly from Boca to Barcelona and been successful? Mm-hmm. Just talking about the type of the type of players that different clubs have and the type of attitude that a club plays with. Uh, you, you, you're talking hypothetically. Uh, no, I'm talking so in his, historically. If it happens before, if it happened before, those two... Maradona and Riquelme are the, the, the only examples I can think of. There would have been many pocket players who went to Barcelona no. before no. Maradona anyway. If, and I, yeah. I'm pretty sure Riquelme is the only one since, isn't it? I think so, yeah. And they have Maxi Lopez from River, of course. Mm-hmm. Saviola from River. Mm-hmm. Again, players who've not really been at their best for Barcelona after leaving Argentina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Albeit that Maxi Lopez didn't really hit his best at any point until, what... Last season, maybe. Well, he's been. He's probably going to Milan. Mm-hmm. Really, I haven't seen that. Wow. Okay, good for him. He's a day older than me. And so. with, with, I think with Riquelme, uh, <laughs> it has to be taken into consideration that Louis van Gaal didn't want right. him. <clears throat> there was a problem position. Yeah. It's bad. And Riquelme, if he's not happy. You can ask Rupert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he will tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Rupert would make Rick, I'm happy. Yeah, Rupert Fryer, South American expert, writing for <clears throat> um, 
Seven. The Kill Me Expert. Yeah. And the Kill Me Expert. Any questions you have about the Kill Me? And Mate Drinker, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's a heavy Mate Drinker. <laughs> it's interesting that La Vuelta didn't get him on their adverts. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. new, but that probably that comment may have confused Rupert himself. Do you reckon uh, he's under the Kill Me? new brand of Sherba. Math day that they're doing where the adverts involve them giving it to people all, the, all around the world. I should have given it to yeah. Rupert. <laughs> anyway, uh, there is more to Argentine football than just Rupert Fryer and Boca Juniors. Um, much more better, yeah. And indeed, Vela Sarsfield. So there were other games taking place this weekend, inevitably. Yeah. Perhaps the second most important to the title race of those was Racing versus Argentinos Juniors mm-hmm. on Saturday night, a match in which Racing finally ended with a win. Yeah, after, after five, five consecutive draws yeah. uh, it was a thriller guys I'm sure you were watching it just as eagerly as I was Dan you were there in fact I was you? there yeah um, Racing oh, yeah. fans resident Racing fans it's <laughs> your time of the week again tell us about it and, and another Rupert Friars darling Giovanni Moreno scored of so course yeah he, he must be happy this week I'm sure and uh, yeah he was a header it was a set piece right? he didn't mean to I think no. I think he didn't but we'll take it you know like, of course it's going to be now no, well, the, the, the goalkeeper was the, for Argentina Junior, Nereo Fernandez, mm. was the, the star of the, yeah, very impressive. Of, of the game. I think it was something like 12 goal attempts for Racing mm. and only two for Argentina. It was a clear win, but it was nervy anyway, yeah. because because of this tendency. It's more than a tendency. It's a Basically, style, in, yeah. in Racing, it's a kind of, I can't say any better than kind of a schizophrenia. <laughs> if you can kind of map the, the game out in little stages. Simeophrenia. Simeophrenia. Yeah, we'll, we'll go for that one. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, Racing started very, very brightly. Uh, yeah. I think I was in the stands, of course, so if Seba can correct me on some of the names, because, you know, we were jumping, smacking each other, everything yeah. like that. Uh, Alch had a very good chance, which was saved, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theo, Theo hit the post and. Theo hit the post from very close range. Shot. Yeah. I can't believe didn't go in, though. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how it went in. And there was a couple of very other. Have a good chances from there, and so went into half time, but it was still no nil. And then all of a sudden, the team just came out and just seemed like they were deflated. Yeah. And even that, you know, they managed to get this goal. It was a Torenza free kick, and Shield got his, you know, big head on it, and it <laughs> rolled into the corner. And they did a lovely surfing. Did you see the surfing yeah, celebration? Was very, quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the goal. I would have liked it. it if they got, you know, brought some shades on and <laughs> some sound cream on. You know. I like the part where he stacked it at the end, like a, yeah. <laughs> he sort of like fell backwards off the surfboard. It was beautiful. Yeah. But then after that, we just saw the same thing we've kind of seen from Racing all season. Scored the goal wins. Eleven men behind the ball. Eleven men behind the ball. Everyone went back, and you know, still kind of forty minutes. 35 minutes to play. So. Yeah, it was an invitation. Another disaster. Yeah. yeah, another pretty, pretty <coughs> tough game to watch. Yeah, but it's three points, you know. Yeah, not not, not much to uh, no, now. Apart from the win, you can't yeah. really say too much about it. And now, only well, the important thing is that next game we'll have the, the next episode to talk more about yeah. this because yeah. it's, it's only we we have to wait for two weekends before the the game at La Bombonera mm-hmm. takes place between Boca and Racing and. Anything other than a Racing win, it's tournament over. It's yeah. Boca. All, almost literally. Had Boca yeah. won on Sunday, they would uh, be able to go 11 clear with 12 to... Sorry, no, they can go 11 clear with 12 to play for, but if they won on Sunday, they would have actually been able to win the league in, in that match against Racing mm. in two weeks' I think it's a good thing that they, they don't get to do their victory lap. <laughs> oh, my God. Even if they beat us. I think it's still going to be a pretty huge party if they, if they beat Racing. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. 
Yeah, um, the league table is now. We can't remember the exact numbers, but there's basically an eight-point gap between Boca and Racing. With 32 and 24, I believe. Well, remember, guys, with uh, with five games to go, so 15 points to play for. Um, obviously, had, had Boca won that, that would be 10, 10 points with 15 to play yeah. for, and then they'd have had the chance to go 13 clear with 12 to play for if they beat Racing. Yeah. Um, Atletico Rafaela, we can officially rule out of contention now. I think they're a point further behind Racing that they've not quite been able to live up to the improbable dream of the title challenge. Um, what was their result, though? They was drew, didn't they? Neil draw. One nil draw, draw, wasn't it? I think. You're right, yeah. No, it was, it was nil-nil. It was, nil. A it was very yeah, they, entertaining. Rafaela's keeper saved the penalty ah, mm. in front of the travelling Belgrano fans. And, and From Picante. Uh, yeah, I think that was the highlight of, highlight of, the, of the game for them. But I think... Uh, I think so regardless say the cream neutralizer spicer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you were I thought we were trying to get one <laughs> Raffaella Kremer yeah, 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 every yeah. week, like, yeah. I'm only trying that for the player. Yeah, they have to be good for <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Spicy peas neutralized by cream, what you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, try not to repeat it. Dig up, dig up. Um, so no, I was saying that regardless of okay. their <laughs> falling, uh, crashing uh, in the race to 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 win the, the league, that was never the no, objective. They're, they're delighted with this campaign. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They couldn't ask for more. We said that uh, the, the manager Carlos Trulet said after the loss to Boca, he he kind of said, "Look, a title challenge would have been amazing, but um, our aim this season is to just win as many points as we can to make sure that we don't get relegated at the end of the season. So it wasn't a true let down for them. They're coming alive. That's how I do it. Especially for a non-native Very good. Cheers. Well done. Other other results. Well, we should talk about the the classic Yeah, from for Dan's Primera side. That's the first side, of course, uh, uh, Ferro. They <laughs> signed in the Primera Lanus. Oh, are they? Well, yeah, well, you have a Lanus shirt. Yeah. So on, on that basis. Later, if you want. Uh, on that basis. They've been up in San Carlos, everything. Yeah, they, um, yeah, they, they got a 2-1 win in, in El Sur. Myself and Dan, of course, didn't, uh, an Australian Dan didn't see the match. Um, We're on our way to Valles, but <coughs> they overturned a, a one-goal one lead for Banfield, right? Yeah. You guys? Yeah, they scored the three goals because Banfield's goal was... An own goal from Lanús defender Pablo Goltz. Pablo Goltz. And I thought it was going to be one of those cases in which the supremacy over the years from one team uh, will pre- prevail over the form or the mm. current state of, of both teams. Because Banfield went ahead and. Yeah. And it had been two years since they lost uh, Classico. Yeah. Banfield. They were unbeaten since 2009 in that particular derby. Yeah, and they have uh, an advantage on their head to head. Right, well, uh, Sam looks incredulous because he doesn't believe in any of this. <laughs> no, no, I, um, I didn't realise that Banfield had the historic. Yeah, you know, they do. They they do, do, they do. But then Lanús fought back and, and, and won it. And uh, yeah, Banfield continues to languish. Languish? Languish? Yeah. Languish. languish. Thanks. <laughs> in the lower part of the table, and this is a season to forget for them. and, and La Volpe, he might have an excuse because he inherited a, a very bad 
team in a terrible yeah. position in the, in the standings. And he's, and he's, he's done pretty well. well. He's <clears> done pretty well. I mean, he took over with, I think, six straight defeats from yeah. Anfield. Yeah. And now, so, so, they, so he's won three out of eight, and I think he's drawn a couple as well. Yeah. Which is mid-table form if he'd have taken over at the start of the year. Yeah. So I don't think... I think La Volpe can be... We're pretty pleased with the job he's done. Yeah. I mean, the the Banfield are still pretty far away from relegation trouble, that kind of thing. So, yeah. and the win also means that Lanús they have a real uh, good chance of making it to the Copa Libertadores. I think they're pretty much in now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a seven-point advantage yeah. over Racing. So unless Racing, unless Racing get seven, eight more points than them between now and the end of and the end of the season, mm-hmm. they're pretty much. In the Copa Libertadores, so yeah. well, it, it looks like a, a strong group of Argentinian teams that will be going into that next year. Because well, obviously, Boca, well, apart from Arsenal, <laughs> but uh, you have like Lanús, Villarreal, right, and Boca, and Godecruz, and Godecruz, quite impressive. Most certainly, yeah, yeah Godecruz six <clears throat> points ahead of Racing in that race. So mm. they also they also won, and they, they their victory against Estudiantes meant. The end of the Miguel Angel Russo. Me and Silva's favourite person. Jesus. The failure of t- 2011. Yeah, he he he's no longer the Estudiantes no. manager, and, and in a way, it's kind of sad if you think about the club's per- perspective and the way he was considered to be one of the main idols. He won the league as a player with Estudiantes uh, in the early 80s, and he was always regarded. He won the the second division title. When when they right. came back to first division with them, uh, with Seba Verón in their team and Calderón and Capria and all of those guys, and so he's still regarded as one of the Estudiantes de la Plata icons. And yeah. to see this uh, this thing going so yeah. badly for for for, for them, yeah. I think it's a sad. yeah, it's a bit sad generally because we basically, I know we were talking at the end of 2010. How you know Estudiantes were the model for all teams to follow because they kind of had a very um, stable team, stable coach, and then you know we obviously cursed them horribly because <laughs> 2011 came, uh, Sabella left and Berisso came in, and since then they've just had a disastrous year, and that's even with spending a lot of money and bringing in a lot of players. In this preseason, they brought in a lot of players, and I think the time. When I knew the game was up for Russo, wasn't this game? It was a week before when I went to see them against Racing, which was a pretty dour nil-nil draw. If anything, yeah, but Racing they were, had the best of it in Quilmes. But after the final whistle, you could just see the Estudiantes fans celebrated it like it was a final victory. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah, see they you know, were they were playing with ten men. Yeah, since the true. Since but still, you could see half. that yeah. they've completely <laughs> lost the standing. You know. Yeah. As yeah, Racing yeah, fans, yeah. we used to going to La Flata and Aquiles and coming back with three, four goals against us. It is sad to see Russo like that and Estudiantes, but I'm delighted anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that week, the weekend, defeat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the weekend defeat made it 19 losses in 34 games this year. For Russo. For Russo, Russo, yeah. In Racing and Estudiantes. Are you happier to see Boca back on top rather than someone like Estudiantes or Venice? Uh, <laughs> you put me there. Yeah. Tricky position there. Um, yeah, no. And be careful what you wish for. No, no, no. It's, uh, I, I couldn't pick uh, between those two poisons. You're offering. <laughs> if Russo had left Racing and then taken Estudiantes to the championship, it would have been sick. Oh, that would have been, yeah, it would have been, been terrible. Uh, 
and it's a nice bit then, of well, we've got now, like, yeah. And Enjoy. speaking of of uh, clubs going in the wrong direction, News All Boys, mm. they lost again. They were they they completely lost discipline. They just right? Yeah, they 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 saw three red cars. One of their youngsters uh, tackled one of the Union de Santa Fe players, Sarmiento, and his leg just broke in two. It was mm. just a terrible thing yeah. to watch. And then he they considered uh, News considered a late goal. Uh, scored by goalkeeper Bologna from the from from the penalty spot, and Union continued to impress uh, in the in the in the league, and they were they really look comfortable going into the Clausura yeah. and, and with their impressive away yeah, records. Yeah. yeah, so um, I think it's uh, it's it's refreshing to see sides coming from the second division and doing so well. In, in, in the standings, uh, I, I think by the end of the season that Union could well have overtaken Belgrano in, in terms of the newly promoted sides in the table because Belgrano, of course, are going to lose Franco Vasquez uh, to uh, um, God who somewhere in Italy. Palermo. Palermo. Thank you, Palermo. Yeah. And there was uh, a rumor going around last week that they were going to try and bring in Pablo Aima yeah. to, to replace him because he's a local really? boy. He's um, from wow. Cordoba, and his but his contract's up in June 2012. Right, but. Yeah, that would be a very interesting mm. interesting move, especially if... Well, he wouldn't be playing River, would he? Forget that's it. <laughs> Next season, maybe. Yeah. yeah. If, if they stay up. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, since we've mentioned River, it's possibly uh, a good time to... Uh, no, no, just, just yeah, to mention... Uh, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> just to mention Quick. that Fernando Cabenaki <laughs> has now become the uh, River's top scorer in the last 20 years. Um, really? He scored four goals, one of which was a completely... Incorrectly awarded penalty to open the scoring, um, and River won four nil again. Four nil or four one? Four one. Getting it now. It's four one. Against Gimnasia de Jujuy. Thank you very much, Dan. Against Gimnasia de Jujuy. Um, so yeah, well done, Cabenaki. He's overtaken Ariel Ortega, who he's going to be playing against in the Copa Argentina um, at the start of next, well, middle of next month, uh, at some point before long, as as River's top um, scorer. December the seventh. <coughs> That's confirmed. Defensor de River. River played in San Juan. In San Juan. Two two clubs, as we mentioned last week, <laughs> whose stadia are about four blocks apart from each other. <laughs> Travelling two thousand kilometers. Of November. Yeah, November. So nobody's scored more than <laughs> um, in the last twenty years. For River. Yeah, how many is he? It's got about two hundred, I think. Two hundred? Yeah. I think he was the fastest to reach a hundred goals. Uh, yeah. He, he was for River or for in general. Yeah. Uh, how long was he with River for before he went yeah, to yeah, the A lot of goals in the Premier. Maybe we have to ask Arguinness book. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> we got an official certification from Ralph. He's shaking his head. He's basically doing hand signals with the amount of goals he scored. Yeah. <laughs> we have to keep counting the tens. Um, yeah, but we also have just been talking about Estudiantes and uh, and poor management from them on the pitch, which seems like a good excuse to now bring in the man who Estudiantes really, Berriso and um, uh, Russo, have, have been living in the shadow of when they took charge for Estudiantes. Alejandro Sabella mm. is getting ready now to to play the third competitive match of his management regime. And we've got to say he's doing his level best to turn Argentina into Estudiantes. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, we, we have all the patience in the world for Sabella, but it's being tested a little bit now yeah. because he's included, was it three Estudiantes players again in his Argentina squad? It's two, but a lot of former Estudiantes yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> two, two Estudiantes players, two former Estudiantes players from Boca, and it's got to be about <laughs> so, so, four or so. Clemente. Yeah. Branya. Branya is in the squad, isn't it? Branya yeah. in the squad, yeah. Um, He'll probably play as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it's beginning to get slightly tiresome, yeah. isn't it, guys? Yeah. And, and also this announcement that he's not going to be using um, a B-side against Bolivia uh, on, on Friday night. I mean, OK, nothing wrong with that decision in, in itself, but it does probably mean we're not going to get to see Javier Pastore again, and we were all looking forward mm-hmm. to finally seeing him get a chance to sort of cement his place. Plus, um, something outside of Pastore, who I would really love to see get 90 minutes for Argentina, I can't help thinking it's the wrong decision because after that, uh, they played Bolivia this Friday, which will probably be tomorrow or the day after when you get this up. Hmm. Yep, no, it'll be the day after tomorrow. It'll be the day after tomorrow when you're listening to this. And yeah, so they're playing Bolivia on Friday in a game that pretty much they're expected to win hmm. at home against who. They're pretty securely the, the worst team in the competition. And then five days after that, they go to Barranquilla in Colombia to play, well, Colombia, obviously. Hmm. And they're playing at four o'clock in the afternoon. Barranquilla is a city right on the Caribbean coast, and we can pretty much expect temperatures of 35, 40 degrees. And for me, you want your best players going to that game, the, the toughest game, which I can see Argentina losing pretty, pretty easily. Not saying I could easily see them lose, let's say. Right. They need their stars to go completely fresh with that rest. That the fact they have to play. Yeah, I think it would have have been a very good idea to even not necessarily playing a complete a mixed team. Yeah, a mixed team, like a few a few different guys, and maybe keep Mascherano or Messi in. I think I think that's what he's gonna do. Uh, he's already said he's going to play the same eleven. No, he said he said he's not going to play two different yeah. starting elevens, yeah. but he's going to make changes. And so I'm thinking uh, he's also bluffing a little bit. Mm. That could be the case. And he he's been doing that for a long, long time, working for for Estudiantes as well. He's he's not he's not the guy who will tell you the starting lineup no. seven days before La Batista yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> or Maradona he likes to play some chess sometimes yeah uh, is this why he's including Estudiantes players that he's just teasing them and making them think they're going to be playing <laughs> it's a crucial no that is a problem I'm seeing and, and this is something that I'm starting to worry about because mm. I'm a big fan of him and, and <clears throat> I'm 100% behind him but uh, I think it could be dangerous to fall in love with, mm-hmm. with players he used to have, who with, with players who were at a very good level and uh, playing for him, yeah. but they were playing against different opposition, mm-hmm. and, and this is diff- this is a, a whole different ball game, and, and that is something that is a bit worrying. But I think maybe in the long in the long run he will stop doing this and he will start calling up other players that are worthy of a place. Well, let's hope so because. I can't help thinking it's a little bit disrespectful to the other players who we see week in, week out in the league because, you know, between the four of us, we watch most of the games every weekend, although it might not seem like it listening to, it, <laughs> listening to us. And we know that there's the players there, we've mentioned them, you know, we highlight the players who we think can do a job. And a lot of the players that are there, I'd make the exception for Clement, Clemente, who's been excellent this year, and... Orion, who's also been 
you know very good as we said earlier yeah. the other the other two I kind of thinking there are there are definitely better alternatives Branya Branya there's two Diantis guys I agree with Seba that I think he's going to he's going to get over this mm. and I think this is still related to what we talked about where he's he's using the players he hasn't had a lot of time yet and he's still using the players he's comfortable with mm. the one that worries me most is Sosa using him as a yeah and also I guess Rojo but it looks like Rojo won't play from the start in this one if Clemente is going to play well Rojo is suspended for this one but but it is surprising to see a player being called up if you only can use it for 50% of the well he did it with Mascherano it's another thing I wanted to say is that it looks like he, he may be playing Mascherano as a defender in this one which is I think is a good thing definitely yeah. Yeah. possibly beside uh, Fernandez so like you've got Mascherano uh, and a, sort of a taller stopper uh, in Fernandez which I think could, could work really well and not just from the defensive point of view of course it it also means that they've got a defender who's, well, in fact, in Fernandes, they'll have two defenders who are very comfortable stepping out into midfield mm. uh, when the game's further up the up the uh, pitch. And, in fact, also Fernandes, a defender who, as we saw last week in Europe, is a real threat from set pieces. He scored twice for, for Napoli against Bayern, wasn't it? Yeah. Almost, almost brought the game back. Um, yeah. Fernandes is an excellent defender. Like, I can't argue with that pick. What's Slight, that slightly risky in that yeah. Mastodano has never played at centre-back for Argentina and neither has Fernandes. Yeah, putting two green people, but they can't do any worse than the people that have been there for no. the last three years. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I tell you what, this is something uh, I wanted to wait for for a bit before really launching this campaign. But I think uh, I, I needed to see and uh, I needed this player to prove he could do it at the top level. And I think I've seen enough. And I think Alejandro Faulin. He oh, I thought you were going to say Lionel Messi. No, no, no. no. He's Messi, not quite ready. He's a, he's a bit. Uh, below. And he's only 24. Yeah, Alejandro Faulin, I mean, I, I have been watching him because I'm a QPR fan, of course, you all know that. And I've been watching him a lot of, of times last season, but he was playing in the second division league and, you know, that could be tricky. He could dominate a game, but then once you play against stronger position, you, you, you look out of depth. But he played in a midfield uh, against Chelsea and, and, and he won. He he looked like uh, very solid and not out of depth at all. Then uh, against Manchester City, he was man of the match for every newspaper you read. And I think it's one of the positions in which Argentina could benefit and he could be the link between midfield and, and, and the forwards. And I'm wondering if... If Sabella, he, he, Sabella used to play in England, so I, I was thinking maybe he will pay a lot of attention to, to that league. But I've never seen Colocini play better than he's playing right now for Newcastle. Mm. Jonas Gutierrez is playing better than ever. He's playing better than when he was a regular for, for Argentina. Mm. So the only player who, who's on, the, on, on our squad from the Premier League at the moment is Sergio Aguero. And Zabaleta. Oh, sorry, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking that uh, maybe Isabella never saw Alejandro Faulin play, but <laughs> if you never saw him, just pay attention because I think he's a real talent. And so he's the kind of guy who. So you send this to Isabella now? Are you talking about <laughs> to Isabella? No, I will call him. <laughs> so tell us what he, what he would offer. I mean, so you're saying he's a, kind of like a banana. Because I've never seen him live, play live, so if you can tell me that. He plays like. Uh, 
the, the style of, of, of uh, Alejandro Faolin is simple. He never plays the ball wrong. I mean, he always takes the right the right decision. He's not, there's nothing flashy or he's, he's shabby. He, he can play like uh, in in that role in that position. Uh, he could be the, the shabby of Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to go over the top. The last, no, the last no player one. anybody said that about was Diego Maradona saying it about Meron during yeah, the World Cup yeah, immediately before dropping well, him. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, I think he could play a similar role Sebastián Meron used to play for Argentina. And seriously, this guy, um, he's, he's got a fantastic passing range and he's always well positioned and he's good winning the ball back I mean there's not a lot of speed in his game he isn't flashy he's not big and physical but he does nothing wrong everything he does is he does it right and and tell us about his history and and well he he used to he he played for River Plate in the youth teams he used to play for Argentina in the in the youth uh, national teams too he went to Rosario Central play for Rosario Central one game or something uh, he, he wasn't uh, being considered for Rosario Central and then he went to Instituto he played in the second division and he had a, a huge impact with with, with, if, with the Instituto fans and they call him the magician and then QPR signed him signed him from Instituto there was a controversy because of third, or, uh, third party ownership uh, with his transfer something similar that what happened with Tevez and Mascherano with West Ham, but it was sorted, and, and he was one of the best players from QPR when the, uh, when they won promotion last year, and now he's I think he's the second best tackler statistically in the Premier League uh, so far, and he scored one goal from from outside the box against Wolves, and he's been on fire, and I really I now I, I'm really convinced he can he can make it happen for Argentina. I hope Savila can <laughs> see the tapes. I mean, we we have been QPR have been on TV regularly. Lately. Yeah, the fans have been tweeting me and asking why he's not in the team. And they have. Yeah, my fans. You just been seven. He's got five, 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 five QPR two. accounts. Yeah, <laughs> Terry from West London. No, seriously, I, I just if you have a chance, just watch a, a QPR game and, and see him in action because he's he's brilliant. Playing alongside Joey Barton or Sean Derry, he's brilliant. He's been brilliant. Yeah. And if you'd like to see some more of these, the, the, the sort of discourse that Seb has just given you in 140 character fashion, <laughs> uh, you can follow his. Obviously, his his actual account is Wonder Abbey Celeste on Twitter, uh, but his personal one is QPR underscore ARG. Um, tweet in Spanish in that one. So mostly, yeah. well, I don't see the occasional one from you in English. Yeah. If you tweet at him, he'll probably reply in English. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah, if, if you'd like to share in the Faroline love, <laughs> then that is the account to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, any other issues that we can see with the national side guys, apart from obviously the fact that, as we've kind of hinted, the <coughs> Colombian FA uh, have deliberately, I think, chosen the kick-off time yeah. and oh, venue to make it as difficult yeah. as possible, which is perfectly within their rights to do, of course, uh, for Argentina. Uh, are we confident, nervous, whatever, going into this doubleheader? I think Bolivia ought to be three straight points, but then the last two results... Yeah. A nil-nil draw during the Copa America, and before that, on April Fool's Day 2009, was it 2009? Yeah, it must, it must have been, wasn't it? Um, the Argentina under Diego Maradona travelled to La Paz and lost 6-1 with an Angel Di Maria red card thrown in. Um, and to think there are still people here who prefer Maradona to be manager. Um, <laughs> no, I can see it possibly going similar to the way the last doubleheader went, where uh, 
I think quite a, aside from what you said, still a comfortable win here, and then really, really difficult in Colombia. I think it's going to be really interesting, actually, the Colombia game, because as always is when Argentina play Colombia, a hell of a lot of the the Colombia team have got experience in Argentina. Just look through. We've got now we've got um, James Rodriguez in the team, who was excellent. Fantastic. I swear he's. I swear James is my favourite young player. Like mm-hmm. I'll talk about him all day. Like Sarah talks about Farlene. He, he played for the first time I talked about Farlene. No, but I think it's the first time I talked about James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, indulge me. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can't rate this kid enough. He's going to be a superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's fantastic. Just yeah. to just to break my oh. uh, silence <laughs> quickly. Oh, hey, hey, hey. He has vocal cords. Do, do you feel that Sabella could be under pressure if they lose that game in Colombia? Because then he'll have won two, lost two. It's, it's hardly yeah, a great start. If he, if say he got a draw against Bolivia, like unheard of, and then lost against Colombia, he'd definitely have to explain himself a little bit. Yeah, but I think a win and a draw, he'd be under media pressure. But I think he, his job will be safe. Yeah. yeah, he won't be. He won't get fired. And also bear in mind that uh, they're really, you know, they've got to finish in the top five to uh, of a nine-team group. Yeah. Um, to, to stand a chance of obviously qualifying for the World Cup if, if they finish fifth they go to the playoff but anything else is acceptable from the results only point of view and, he's, um, and he seems to have started with more credit than Batista ever started with in the people seem to have more patience for him in the, because of what he's manager. done for, yeah. Yeah. Batista's yeah. credit went just absolutely nosedived nice overnight he was fairly well regarded until two things basically <laughs> You know, set him back. It was a Tevez affair, where he said he wasn't going to call out Tevez because he's wrong for the system, and then did. And then a farcical tour to uh, Africa with mm-hmm. Nigeria, and then there was a game against Poland, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah, two awful Two-defeats. losses. Yeah, yeah. And from there, you could just see like, and also yeah. the fact that he wa- he he compared or he said he wanted to play the Barcelona way. Yeah, and I think that was uh, <laughs> he died with because of his big yeah. mouth. Plus yeah. another thing. I don't think it ever helped Batista that he had Maradona basically breathing down his neck every single oh, second yeah. of his term, telling him what he was doing wrong, telling him he mm. wasn't even heard of in Uruguay. And speaking and of everything, speaking of Batista, um, on Saturday it, it was the f- the the senior, well, the the, the, f- the full debut for Nicolás Batista, his son, yeah, Racing, yeah. for Argentinos Juniors. Racing, he played yeah. as a central defender. <laughs> He, he did alright. He, he did, did alright. Yeah. Well, Batista was a fantastic player as yeah. a centre midfield in centre yeah. midfield. He's still a hero Jesus like he was Argentinos manager. Yeah, they got yeah, love him in, yeah. in So yeah, nothing to take away from Batista as a player because no. he was immense. Was fantastic. Not not as good as Fauling though. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think Sabella is obviously going to want to do do better, and I think he's going to have to to some extent maybe. At least show that they that he's learned something from the trip to Venezuela mm. last time. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. But I don't think he's going to come under real pressure at the moment. One thing that no four games into a, a sixteen game tournament, yeah, it's, it's too early. Well, one, one thing that he should look out for is is the fact that after these qualifiers, there's quite a long gap. Is it? I think June is the next one. So yeah. it's a really big gap. March. It's not as if he's March. Oh, March. March or April. I'd say March or April, maybe. Yeah. I no, I think I, I think June. they go straight to June. And yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. 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 Um, which obviously means that, like last time round when they lost to Venezuela, okay, that was a month ago, and now we're picking up, and he's got another chance to immediately get back on track. That's not going to be the case if they get. Yeah. I mean, okay, a loss away to Colombia isn't uh, uh, anything to be ashamed about. 
it certainly wouldn't be, be as historical as, as the Venezuela loss was. Unless it was another five now. But if it was, exactly, yeah. I mean, if it was a comfortable win for Colombia and Argentina didn't look at the races, yeah. then you've got mm. kind of eight months till the next game. It's well and, it, yeah. and another, another thing I was thinking about this double fixture, because I think it's tricky, because if it was Colombia first away, that, that is different because you yeah. play your best team yeah. and then you you pick up the pieces for the next one and, yeah. and yes, you can probably sure. play your best team again. Yeah. But what do you do now? In, mm-hmm. in, in, if you put yourself in Sabella's place, you have to play your stronger team against, your your strongest team against Bolivia too mm-hmm. because you you have to you get have your three points because yeah. yeah. you know there is a big chance even if you go with your all your big guns to Colombia you could you could lose. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a bad team, Colombia. Not no, at all. It's a, it's a very good team, indeed. Um, so yeah, I think he has to go all or nothing, and I'm not against him playing the same starting eleven, even though he said he, he he's not going to do it. And, um, and I don't know. All I want to see is a bit less of Estudiantes players and and, yeah. and a bit more sense and 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 some Pastore, of course. Let's hope he gets a decent run against Bolivia and the second half of this. Yeah, I thought the the Maria injury was like the green yeah. light for Pastore, but we've got a, we've got to start making we've some calls. We've, we've got to start making some calls into the AFA, find out yeah. what Pastore has done to piss off all these Argentina <laughs> coaches because <laughs> it's getting it's getting weird now. So it's something to piss off Julio Brandona, perhaps Brandona's leaning on them not to pick him. Maybe I wouldn't entirely surprise you. Well, I'll be it. It would it would surprise me if Pastore had done so anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was Brandona's. Um, I would accuse Colombia of abusing his power unethically. No, what are you talking about? No, no, I never would. That's, that's not what we do on hand of pot, no. of course. Um, I'm going to now play in Mystic Dan's music because although there's no weekend action in the league to come, unless of course you're a second division fan, in which case River do play on on Sunday their first match back in the Monumental after a five match ban. Um, but Danny's going to, as he did for the last round of international matches, predict both the scorelines and the scorers for Argentina's two upcoming games. So enjoy this music and we'll be back in about 30 seconds. No, we went 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm forgetting how long the uh, theme is. <laughs> Can Ralph predict Mystic Ralph predict the Paraguay games? He can, yeah. He owes me and Joel, uh, Joel Richards a drink a little yeah. later this evening for losing a Twitter vest today. <laughs> like, so, yes, please do, Ralph. Right, I'm going to say uh, Argentina 5, Bolivia 0. Ah, okay. Three goals for Iguain, one for Aguero, one for Messi. And then Colombia 0, Argentina 0. Wow. Any red cards in there? Or? Yeah, a red card for each team. Which players? <laughs> you just made uh, it up. Um, <laughs> James Rodriguez and Lionel Messi. James Rodriguez and, and <laughs> Messi. Rodriguez and Messi are going to grab <laughs> each other and just beat the, yeah. the shit out of each other. Yep, that's my prediction. Uh, just going back to James Rodriguez for a second, actually, is it right that he's named after James Bond? Yep. I thought so. I, I remember reading that somewhere and, and not, not being quite sure whether it was actually well, true or not. We might have talked about it before, but Messi is named after Lionel Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a very big fan. Um, Ralph, who are Paraguay playing and what are the scores going to be? Sorry, but Theo is named after Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Flawless victory for Theo. There you go. Cristiano Ronaldo is named after Ronald Reagan, right, yeah. which is the, the one everybody knows. But, uh. 
Right, Mystic Ralph. Right. And do, do you have a theme music for Mystic Ralph? Uh, I might play your music again. <laughs> First game is against Ecuador, and I think Paraguay will win 2 0. Is that home or away? It's at home in the okay. Sunsion, they've never lost, so I, I doubt they will this time. And then they're away to Chile. You have to say the score, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, I have scores. to say the score, sorry. It'll be 2 0, and I think Estigarribia and Paulo de Silva will score because it's Paulo de Silva's 100th game for Paraguay. And then Chile away will be 1 0. Vargas for Chile and for Paraguay let's go for Cardoso back from suspension very interesting and that will take Paraguay to how many points? Yeah, about two uh, no that will take them they're on one point now uh-huh. so that will take them to five because they lost their opener to uh, they lost their opener to Peru away which is normal they've never won in Lima and then they drew with they Uruguay. They lost that one. I, I watched it. Yeah, it was a last last minute goal by Paraguay, but they played very well in the in the second half. So actually, they they did well to get back into it. And it's denied. If I'm, I think I'm right in saying it denied Uruguay. What would have been their first ever win? In Asuncion. Yeah. Against Paraguay, at least when they got yeah. a win when Paraguay hosted the Copa America or something. It's another matter. But we should thank Ralph for flying into Buenos Aires to be to just be for those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He has Paraguayan football. Is we told him we could do it over Skype, but you know, he's a person. There is there is an actual reason that you're here, of course, isn't there, Ralph? Um, those of you who who want to wear what Ralph does in his day job will now ask him to. Uh, to tell us and then he, he's got well first of all why are you in Argentina this week and then secondly what are you doing on, on Friday because that's more relevant to the podcast yeah uh, I am the Guinness World Records representative for Latin America which the, it does exist there you go <laughs> it's me because <laughs> a lot of people don't believe it's, it's, it's real yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I was here today I don't believe it's true there was a record in Buenos Aires today for a um the comic book with the most authors, <laughs> yeah, which was done by Aula 365. So if you're listening, I'm plugging even on Handapod. But yeah, more interesting is something I'm doing on Friday in Paraguay. I, I, first of all, you're, you're going to Cordoba tomorrow. For, yeah. I really wanted to say this because I love it. I think it's hilarious. I, I can't Incredibly I, sad. I, I can't actually say it because oh, it's, can't. I can't actually say it because it's private and I get in trouble. Oh, okay. Sorry, that's, yeah. that's a shame. <laughs> in that case, sh- should I deny that you actually have already told us what it is, or uh, private? Uh, yeah, just well, just don't say it on the end of pod ever. I'm just saying it ever. I don't know what okay. it is. Okay. Yeah, good. Good. Uh, so on Friday, Ralph, what's happening? <laughs> on Friday, uh, Jose Luis Chilever who people will probably remember as the Paraguayan goalkeeper who used to score free kicks and penalties. Uh, back in 1999 for Vélez, he scored three penalties in a game against Ferro. In your face, <laughs> that's, that's a classic for Vélez Ferro, and of course yeah. the mm-hmm. Australian dance too. And it's also a record because no goalkeeper's ever scored a hat-trick in a game before. So we at Guinness World Records had this certificate waiting for him that we wanted to give him and finally we managed to get in touch and had some quite interesting conversations on the phone and stuff that when I had to phone up and ask like, Jose Luis Chilever? <laughs> it sounded ridiculous, but yeah. 
Uh, we're going to present him the certificate before Paraguay against Ecuador on Friday on the on the pitch at Defensores del Chaco. Excellent. And we're going to try and get him to record a, as a legend of Argentine football, of course, uh, an, an intro to have the pod similar to Julián Speroni's today. I wanted to say... This is Jose Luis Chilaver. Tú no has ganado nada. You haven't won anything. <laughs> That's his uh, trademark. <laughs> and this is on the spot. Yeah, please, please, do that. Yeah. Okay. It would be fitting because we haven't. We're, we're non-award winning still. I know, I know. Yeah, but that, that, would be, yeah, that would be hilarious. That would be my ringtone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I want to take this opportunity to talk about the, the importance of Jose Luis Chilaver for Argentine football um, and I think for for the goalkeeping for the goalkeeper position yeah, he's an general, icon basically he's just an icon and he was so dominant when he mm. was playing here for, for Vélez uh, he was that kind of keeper who not only will stop mm-hmm. everything you throw at him uh, he will also score and he will win the, the, the psychological battle from yeah. the get go I mean he was and he's one so of the terrifying to, to play against to which end, he's, he's one of the most successful players in the history of the Argentine league, isn't he? He won a, f- a few, maybe two or three league titles with Vélez, the Copa yeah. Libertadores, and they won the Intercontinental Cup as well. They won the Intercontinental Cup as well, so he's a world champion. Yeah. But he, I mean, uh, there's a there's a famous Paraguayan game when they got knocked out in France 98 to mm. France mm. Uh, by the first ever, maybe the only golden goal in World Cup football mm. Laurent Blanc oh, yeah. yeah Laurent Blanc and they, it was, they were bitterly unlucky they were really unlucky Paraguay to have lost that because you know they sat back obviously they were just going to sit back and try and defend but they nearly was it the quarter final or round the, of 16 the last last 16 but after the game one of you'll see most of the Paraguayan players are, are on the floor kind of dead from this this golden goal but there's one guy who's up and it's Chilever and he lifts up everybody you know he physically lifts them up and says come on what are you doing come on because because it was a it was a kind of moral victory you know this defeat and that was what he did at, at Paraguay he was he was this leader and there's never really been a, a leader like Chilever in the Paraguayan national team for you know since mm-hmm. I remember him scoring a free kick uh, for Paraguay uh, in the Monumental against Argentina yeah. oh, I was, oh, I was <laughs> thinking oh no there's no way he will score yeah. today too because you get used to him scoring for Vélez free kicks every day like, did he score for you against Racing? Racing? I don't remember him scoring against Racing maybe a penalty I remember a Racing player uh, Fleita Lagarto Fleita uh, who scored a bicycle kick against him ah. <laughs> and then he scored one with a back heel so the, he was known as the father of Chilaver you know like <laughs> who's your daddy <laughs> that was the song he, he would get and he was um, the unlikely yeah. the unlikely <laughs> hero yeah, yeah. Yeah. but the Chilaver free kick against Argentina is, is famous he took a little bounce <laughs> before he got to the key what, but was the keeper Burgos I think I don't remember, but have you ever listened to the Fox Sports commentators the, who are Argentinian? And they, they talk to each other and they go, eh, no, it's too far. No, he's not going to shoot. No, I think he's going to shoot. No, it's too far. It's too far. And then he scores. And uh, I have a taxi driver in Paraguay who I, who I take taxis with all the time. And he's, 
he loves football and he, he loves Chilave. He's his famous. He's his favorite player, and he says because he's the only guy that ever made an Argentinian shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's for that free kick, you know. Yeah. He. Well, I think we'll have to try and find a YouTube video for this and put it on with the podcast. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll try. And also, well. when we do that, we have to get that hat trick against Ferro. But also, flight test, bicycle kick. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. No, but also uh, two things. One, um, when he scored a free kick from behind the midfield line against Burgos, against River uh, in Vélez Stadium, because basically it was a foul and, and they were arguing about whether it was or not, and, and Burgos was way out of his yeah, goal, yeah, and Chilaver came out of nowhere and he he, he completely hit the ball. With, a, with such a such a strength, and he went right in. He bounced in, straight in uh, inside the goal, and, and and then he famously said that Burgos was uh, trying to catch butterflies, and uh, he he was more intelligent than Burgos. <coughs> that, that's what he said. And another thing was when he was playing for San Lorenzo, he was a really young keeper. His first club in Argentina was San Lorenzo, and in a game against Independiente, he went for a for an aerial ball against. Uh, Peruvian Franco Navarro and he he kicks him <laughs> with an elbow or mm. with a punch to the face or something and the guy had a concussion and that was terrible and Chilaver said he didn't mean to or he didn't do anything and it was so clear that he he, he went for it he went for it so he could have he could be nasty but he, he was also yeah he didn't put any punches definitely yeah yeah he's, he's huge now right he's really I was going to say I'm looking forward to seeing a picture of Ralph standing next to him because uh, <laughs> Ralph is a similar build to me and I think you know it's about three times the size he is, uh, he's, he's, big. he's very big at the moment well, uh, one more thing about Chidova just a famous famous story from the I think it's the 2002 World Cup when Paraguay have had a history maybe a bit like Argentina if their, their presidents haven't been the most transparent guys and they were a bit corrupt and they had a former president who he claimed to be I'm only saying uh, the, this is the FA or the country the FA the okay. Paragon FA that was claimed to be corrupt and didn't pay out any bonuses in the I think it's 2002 World Cup because they got to the knockout stages and Chilever claims that he he got the president sacked and got the new guy in at the, who's currently in at the moment Naput because he thought it was unfair. And another story from that same 2002 is that uh, he made sure that the Paraguayan players, when they did collect their bonuses, he went round and demanded that everybody gave him a share. So he, <laughs> no, oh, no, hold on, hold on. Not for him. Uh, and then he gave it to all the backroom staff. He like divided it out to everybody, mm-hmm. which sums up a lot mm-hmm. what Chilovet's about as well. Menacing and generous at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of Robin Hood. <laughs> <Robin Hood. laughs> it's almost like I have to see him in tights, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Excellent. Um, anything else to add, guys, before we wrap up? There's a tumbleweed blowing across <laughs> Australian Dumb's uh, living room table. Uh, it's It's been a pleasure talking to you Ralph as, as always we're going to go out and get smashed now <laughs> <laughs> so that you can get a nice early start tomorrow yeah, exactly. for your flight to, to a location we're not allowed to reveal um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Ralph. It's the Argentine Area 51, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, Ralph, for now, uh, if you could say goodbye to our, our listeners, obviously not to us. But. Yeah, goodbye. Thank say you very much. Say no, you asked me this last time. Uh, that sounds much more like English to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll just, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, Australian done. Goodbye. Seba. Hasta luego, gracias. Oh, that was Guarani. And, uh, <laughs> and English done. Well, just before I go, I'd like to say one more thing. It's uh, felicitaciones to uh, Seba, a Racing fan who had his first child on Monday night, Not Ramiro, a different Seba. And if he came through on through his promise, Ramiro is already a racing socio. He would have taken him down to the office <laughs> on Tuesday and got him his uh, oh, card. So, Seba, and goodbye from me. You're supposed to try and give your children the best start in life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>